It's now time for Mike Adams 2.0 on ESPN Radio 1017 The Team. Mike will get you into the ring with the latest boxing and MMA info, the logos, and much more. Now, here's Mike Adams 2.0. Presented by El Mesquite Market, bringing cultures together. Good morning, sports fans. Mike Adams 2.0, ESPN Radio 101.7, The Team. And we're going to start today with a new segment called Traveling. Yes, traveling, because I was on the road. Michael Franco was on the road, and it wasn't Willie Nelson's on the road again. It was a a road to sports, right? And I had to go out to Atlanta, Georgia, and I was fortunate enough to see Tom Brady's Buccaneers take on the Atlanta Falcons in the Mercedes-Benz Dome. And the next uh, endeavor I took, I ended up seeing the Charlotte Hornets play the Atlanta Hawks that night. And, of course, the Hornets won 130-127. Shout out to James Borrego, the head coach from Albuquerque, New Mexico, who does an outstanding job with the Hornets. Shout out to Rudy Bassetta because the game was unbelievable, Falcons-Buccaneers. Micah hit the road. He went to Las Vegas, Nevada, where he was there live. When Juliana Pena beat Amanda Nunez and, of course, an unbelievable main event in Charles Oliveira that we'll get to here shortly. So in this traveling segment, I want to start with when I walked into the Mercedes-Benz Dome. And it's a great stadium. Beautiful. Georgia had just played Alabama the day before. And I was able to finally see the greatest sports athlete of all time live and in person And it just so happened that he threw four touchdowns that day. My biggest takeaway from that event, and I had some of the most phenomenal seats that you could have, is that there was more people in the stadium wearing a Tom Brady jersey than there was any other jersey. Mind you, they're on the road in Atlanta. Atlanta's a sports city, and everybody's supporting Brady. See, when you get to this level of greatness, the way Jordan did, the way Gretzky did, the way Tiger Woods did, you're going to see the person at that point. And my my takeaway, Atlanta, Georgia, Mercedes-Benz Stadium, on my first endeavor was Tom Brady is, is not only the GOAT, but maybe the biggest selling jersey. I'd have to double check it. It wasn't Atlanta that week. I'm sure right now, the Super Bowls, the journey that we've taken through his illustrious history, a, a man in a stadium, I believe now, we've got a 10-part series, a docu-series, an audio series to talk about the docu-series, a series to talk about the series that talks about the series, and probably eight other podcasts just to talk about the podcasts that are talking about the series. The man is an icon, TB12, he's renamed the city, it's no longer Tampa, we know it, it's Tampa Bay. With his Gronkowski that he bring along, bringing down his buddy, unfortunately, he didn't have the right paperwork to stay in the league, it seems like. But still, illustrious success has followed this franchise since bringing in Brady. This success keeps following. 
And I'm happy that you, one of the biggest Brady fans I know, got to soak that in as a live experience. Yeah, four touchdowns. Gronkowski was unbelievable. The Falcons played well. Uh, I was just appreciative. I do want to mention that I'm looking at three different things, Micah. Some people say Josh Allen's jersey is the number one seller. Another guy saying T.J. Watt is the number one seller. Brady third on both lists. Second on one list is Lamar Jackson, and second on another list is Mac Jones. But they got Brady third, and, and, and I'm talking about jerseys that are bought, be it in a store or online, Tom Brady's third, which I guarantee you he was number one in Atlanta for that week. I want to continue the journey, Micah, because I go over to State Farm Arena where I get to see Trey Young live and in person and a great Hawks team, uh, mind you, that was in the playoffs. And James Borrego does a heck of a job coaching. I mean, the guy knows the game of basketball. I was fortunate enough to say hello to Coach. And to watch that game, Micah, though two two of my takeaways, and I've been to many, many NBA games, the game has gotten faster, or I haven't seen a game live in so long that that game went fast. And the players on the court are so good that I think when we're watching them on TV, you take it for granted just how good they are, Micah. Every possession is a good possession. And what I mean by that is they get a decent look almost every time at the bucket. And Trey Young can shoot the basketball. Trey Young can shoot the lights out. Atlanta, unfortunately, it's an up and down season for them. Charlotte, much more the story of it. Miles Bridges busting out, becoming a superstar. Not the night you were there, but earlier this week, Gordon Hayward turned back the clock, hit every move in the bag that he has of tricks. 41 points. Charlotte, a real deal. And I mean, you gotta tell me, you gotta be feeling those honeycomb hive jerseys that they have, the blue face into the purple that's a nice look you know i walk into state farm mike and i absorb where i'm at i i really enjoy uh sports so when i walked in right i'm going to my seat and i look in the rafters and pistol pete maravich's jersey's retired i'm thinking <sighs> the pistol jersey retired hanging from the rafters of course dominique wilkins his jersey's retired bob pettit i can go on and on but when I saw Pistol Pete's, Micah, I think I even might have sent you a picture of the jersey that was hanging. I know I did to like three or four people because Pistol Pete, one of my favorite players of all time. And for those of you wondering, Magic, Bird, Scott Skiles, Pistol Pete, those four. Let me repeat it. Magic, Bird, Scott Skiles, the gritty gutty Scotty Skiles, and Pete Maravich. So it was nice to see that honor in State Farm Arena. Really? You're not just going to put up that finger and tell us this LeBron James and just make it an even five? I mean, you like usually going threes. You like going five. I've heard you go with the top ten. I can't believe you just stopped at four. It's not the four, but it's that you stopped at four. That kind of surprised me. And no, I was not lucky enough to get the picture, but I'm still jealous of the experience in the game you got to watch. Well, and here's the thing, Micah. To watch a live NBA game is always cool, right? But when it's a close game like that, and it's jam-packed. It even makes it more special just because everybody's into it, and it comes down to those last few possessions. Um, but, again, I want to thank Rudy Bassetta. I appreciate you. Coach Borrego, thank you. Coach Joyce, thank you. Uh, it was a wonderful weekend of sport. 
But I got to ask you, was the vibe different? Because we know Atlanta's a different kind of city. And I know that Mike Adams has been to NBA games before. So what I got to know is, is there a different vibe there in Atlanta on game night? You know, the vibe I had, the, the, the crowd is very into it. They had a whole section that every play, they were in unison with what they were saying. Is it like the Staples Center? No. Uh, when I watch games in the Staples Center, you know you're in the Staples Center. Well, that that's one in a kind. Yeah. So, but it was a great vibe, and I appreciate the knowledge of basketball at that level uh, from the fan base. You, you they have a tremendous. Don't forget the Braves just won the World Series. The Hawks are a playoff contention team. The Falcons, I mean, they were in the Super Bowl what four years ago. So it seems way too long ago, but yeah. The the soccer team is selling out. I mean, it's a sports town, Micah. Definitely. If you have not seen, I believe it's the Atlanta Fire. If you have not seen those MLS games, it gets as rowdy and as lit in there as it does during the Falcons games in that Mercedes-Benz Dome. So, yeah, a big-time sports town. Yeah, awesome, awesome time. So then Micah decides to hit the road as I return. Micah goes on the road. And, Micah, I when watching the Julianne Pena fight, I'm going to start there, and it was a great day of fights. And you were there for three days. You are at every press conference, everything you can imagine, the weigh-ins. And I called and I asked you, is this a bigger upset than Buster Douglas, Mike Tyson? And you said no. Did it feel like that in the arena at the time, though? What was the What was the arena like? The arena was on fire. You could definitely feel when the... You have to feel the story that was being produced all week. There had been an overlying question throughout the media and through Juliana Pena about the conditioning and the fitness level of Amanda Nunez, who came out with no shirt on and just a jacket, basically, for the press conference, showing the abs, showing the six-pack. You had a lot of argumentativeness between the two. It felt like the heat was getting turned up. The animosity was being taken to another level. Then you have the walkouts, and when you hear Psycho from Puddle of Mud for Juliana Pena, it kind of fed into this... Ba- over bombastic personality that she had portrayed. This was a woman that was unafraid to be boisterous to promote herself. And that kind of psycho song led into it. And I think it lightened the moment. Even if you just disliked her, you kind of laughed at that moment that it was the perfect fitting song for her. A very nice song for Amanda Nunez, and you can feel that the crowd was on the champion side, that a lot of people were there to see another performance from the GOAT. From the female goat. But as you saw the fight progressing, and in that first round, big strikes being landed from the champion, the ground dominance, but she was tired. And as they slowly dueled in jabs and Pena was picking apart Nunez, you could feel the tide turning. Not just in the fight, but you could feel the moment was coming, and that actually electrified the crowd electrified the crowd to a roar, and by the time the takedown happened and Amanda sloppily gave her back to try to explode away from the grappling, many people, as I was, were screaming, it's going to happen, here it is, and you could see the moment play out beautifully, and there was a roar in the crowd 
I don't think it was, and unfortunately to say it, it wasn't for Juliana Pena. It was an excitement of a historical moment and one of the three biggest upsets in UFC history. I'm not sure. Yes, you threw out Buster Douglas, Mike Tyson. No, I don't know. No, no way is it on that plane of existence. It falls short of GSP, Sarah. It falls short of home Rousey, but we saw the third biggest upset in UFC history on Saturday night. So let's think about this. Amanda Nunez's resume. She had won 12 in a row in the UFC. 10 world title fights. 10 world title fights. Knocked out Ronda Rousey. Or won by KO, I should say. Yep. Won by KO over Cyborg. Yep. Beat Holly. Yep. Shevchenko twice. Yep. Misha Tate. Yep. So when you look at that scope of resume, right, there's nobody else... She could have fought. So, so stay right. with me. The most dominant, we, we used to think Cyborg was the most dominant. She right. beat Cyborg. Yep. So, Waxter, when easily. you, when you talk about the greats, right? Like Tyson's invincibility during that time. Yeah. When you talk about GSP's longevity and Sarah, when no one thought Sarah had a chance, no one did except Matt Sarah. This one here, Micah, for whatever reason, felt to me bigger than both of them. And I guess that's why I needed the, the, the arena feedback because I thought Nunez could go another three years without being beat. It was surprising in of itself. But to think about what you said there, how many Super Bowl rings does Tom Brady have? Seven. Seven. Seven seasons of winning the championship. Not in a row, right? Amanda Nunez, two weight classes, five years as the champion. The win streak was two fights before that. Six years of perfection, of absolute perfection to one night show up and have a bad night. A bad weight cut, get out, dueled, get hit, and kind of lose her perspective. Didn't have the tactfulness. We've seen, as you said, and it was she knocked out Holly Holm with that head kick we've seen in amanda slip punches she was not there it looked like she became entwined in the heated arguments came out to prove a point to knock out the smaller fighter it was a bad night and i want to celebrate i don't want to hate on why did she lose let's celebrate that juliana pena was able to absorb damage like nobody else had done from amanda nunez was undaunted by this imposing figure. That was a big part of it. Invincibility and the allure of the lioness has now been taken away to the point where Kayla Harrison, Amanda Nunez, super fight millions and millions of dollars and probably a bigger stadium. Maybe that was the one to be in the Legion Stadium. That is all out the window because of a Venezuelan who had the heart, the grit to bite down on her mouthpiece, not back down and attack. Let's celebrate that Juliana Pena pulled off an incredible upset, but also in doing that, celebrate that we saw one of the most dominant runs that we may have ever seen in MMA history. GSP lost his welterweight title to Sarah early, regained, and came back and had a run of dominance. I don't question that Nunez can regain the title from Pena, but I question if we can see her take another run of dominance here going forward. We will have seen the best run of Amanda Nunez's career now have happened. If Cool and the Gang is listening, celebration is what Micah Frankel is trying to talk about. Great song by Cool and the Gang. Let's stay in the building. Charles Oliveira, who to me right now may be pound for pound best in the UFC. And I know I'm going to get a lot of argument on that, right? Or a lot of, a lot of challenges on that. 
But Oliveira's last few fights, Micah, it's hard to argue how he's dominated, how he's taken control, and now he's saying this is my division. The greatest career turnaround, the greatest reinvention story that we've had in UFC history. Ten and eight, the cusp of being nothing more than a gatekeeper, maybe on his way back to Brazil. The Bronx. The Ghetto. That's the nickname that translates from Charles Oliveira. This is a kid who came out of the slums, fought his way to the UFC. We thought he was going to be a contender at 45, at 55, had to go down to 45. Both times his career stalled out and there were moments where he was broken, where mentally he was fragile and he did not live up to the expectations. That was not an attribute of a champion. Ten fights later, this incredible win streak, and it's a joke going around the internet. It feels like in the last few fights, when he beat him, that like the Highlander, Charles Oliveira took Tony Ferguson's spirit and now has this crazy, invincible durability. He has taken way too much damage in his last couple fights, as he did against Dustin Poirier, but he weathered against the left hand. Boy, did the right hands in the clinch that Poirier was chucking have me scared. But he found a vulnerability. Those knees to the body were so damaging. And then he took it to his house, to where he reigns supreme. Oliveira gets it on the mat, takes advantage, elbows the ish out of Poirier through the second round. In the third round, closes it with that rear naked choke. Masterful stuff from the all-time leader in submission wins in UFC history. And to go back to a couple years ago, I think it was on The Breakfast Club, uh, baby, put some respect on that man's name. He's Charles Oliveira, and he is the UFC lightweight champion of the world. Let me take it a step further, Micah, because you know I like to do my homework. But he beats Dustin Poirier that night. You were there. Michael Chandler, the hot prospect, right, that everybody was talking about. A former world champion. TKO. Yep. Oliveira beats him. Tony Ferguson, and you know this, a lot of people didn't want to see Tony Ferguson at the time. No. At the time he fought Tony Ferguson, Tony Ferguson was being avoided Al by Kukui, the top. The boogeyman. Is that really fair? Was. Yes. Kevin Lee, who just left the UFC and is now with uh, Habib's uh, Eagle FC. Eagle Fight Club, yes, sir. And they're going to start a 165 division, which we'll get to. But my point is, Kevin Lee at the time, Micah. That seemed like it was a nice headliner for Oliveira in Brazil, but that was going to be the catapult for a title run for Kevin Lee. It went opposite. Keep listing the names. This win streak, 10 in a row. It's been incredible. Jim Miller. We've seen Jim Miller. Veteran. Veteran. Tough guy. Tough as nails. Submission finish in his own right. Guida. Veteran. Tough guy. He was submitted. Who submits Quake Guida? And Oliveira did him with a a guillotine. And he's fought everybody. He's fought Holloway. He's fought Perez. Yeah, he was on the short end of the stick on those ones, but you gained what? Momentum. You gained confidence. Experience. He, he fought Frankie Edgar. I mean, the guy has skipped nobody, and now to be 10 in a row, 10 in a row, beat a Dustin Poirier that, that brings it every time. Gaethje may be next for him. Maybe it's Connor for payday. I don't know. But right now, Micah, in the UFC pound-for-pound pound rankings, he has to be as close to number one as you can possibly get. Give me, give me, give me somebody above him. I'm going to give you three names that I might put above him. And this run has been incredible, but it's Israel Adesanya. Fair. Alexander Volkanovsky. Fair. Kamaru Usman. 
And I'm going to, I'm going to say, because those are all legit contenders, I still put Oliveira in front of him. Man, I, I'm going to give you that maybe I would put him at three and go ahead of Adesanya because Adesanya does have the loss to Blahovich, but. Volkanovski has been unblemished. He got out of Brian Ortega's some of the deepest submissions I've ever seen. This side of Charles Oliveira, the dude I want to have my neck the least is Brian Ortega, and Volkanovski is unbeaten. A 20-fight win streak and survived it, and not to mention Usman, an 18-fight win streak, and that guy's dominant wrestling. So I'm going to go Usman 1, 2 is Volkanovski, 3 is Oliveira, and 4 is Adesanya for my top 4 best fighters in the UFC right now, pound for pound. That's fair. We were traveling a little bit, doing what we enjoy, and that's watching sports. And you're covering it at the time, Micah. I was there enjoying it as a fan. And, you know, I can't wait for my next endeavor. When I get back, I end up going to two University of New Mexico basketball games. I went and saw the Lobos take on the University of Denver. And then I went to see him take on the University of Texas, El Paso. So it's kind of been an encompassing sports, what, two weeks we'll go with? And so much more down the road. But it's inspired me, Micah, uh, to see more live sports. It was inspiring. I'll tell you, fifth floor, fifth level of the T-Mobile Arena being in the Hockey Riders area, looking down upon the octagon as we saw the dueling jabs between Juliana Pena and Amanda Nunez. And you say, and you'll watch the pay-per-view, and you'll see the writers that are there, and that is a great view and one of a kind. Once I got over my incredible fear of heights, was my God, it took me at least the first fight. I was watching uh, Josh Emmett versus Dan Ige from a distance, standing back against the wall, and the media guy that's up there to help us is like, you know, you're not going to fall. And I'm like, I know it, but my brain needs a moment. Excuse me. It was still an incredible experience once I got over it and to see it. And my last question for you on this topic would be, what's your next trip? What do you have already in motion for 2022? What are you excited about? Well, I, And here's the thing, Mike. I, I never know, right? It's so spontaneous with me that I never, ever know. Um, so I can't give you exact, right? I know I'm going to try to attend some big events and um cuz to me every event is big right the hornets hawks was the biggest game of the night for me uh if i get a chance to go I, and and i do have to see it once right like i saw kobe and shaq in the heyday in the staples i have to see and i have yet to see lebron in staples but i have to see that that's like that's like on the bucket list i never thought i'd see brady live i never did and sure enough just so happened and that's the special thing about sports. We know there was 11, 12 games. But if you're in that arena that night, the NBA, the NFL, they do such a good job of making that game feel like the biggest thing you've sure. ever seen. That's one of the beautiful things about sports. And for me, man, in February, fingers crossed, hopefully I get approved, UFC 271. It's the Whitaker Adesanya rematch. If I can get out there, oh, hopefully that's the next trip. And I would like to see Canelo... Win his uh, fifth, well, he'll be the cruiserweight champion if he fights in Vegas, which I hope he does. So I think I, I, I need to see Canelo fight, right? Because if you think about it, I've seen the greatest of the greats. I've seen Floyd Mayweather fight. I've seen De La Hoya. I've seen, so I've seen these guys, right? The greatness. I've seen Tyson live. I can go on and on. Oh, my. But I need, I haven't seen Canelo live yet. Oh, no, that that's a must then. That's yeah. a must for you, it sounds like. Obviously, he's making history. 
for sure. So and I guess we know where Mike's going to be the next time Canelo fights. Yeah, hopefully. And then, of course, you got a chance to walk by Raider Stadium. And how did it feel? Man, that place is its incredible. The size, the spectacle, and just the sheer. You see the lights on during the day and how it glows. It's a monument in of itself and attraction just driving by you see the people the traffic slows down there's other people getting down and walking around what allegiant stadium is bringing to vegas is something special that now you have something to compete with jerry world pull those huge canelo fights the next big tyson fury fight hopefully the ufc is going to get something with that next conor mcgregor fight and you bring it up I, I think it could be Oliveira. He's already speculating that he's defended the belt. He's earned the payday. Uh, don't forget the Pro Bowl is in Allegiant Stadium and oh. just announced 2024. Something called the Super Bowl will be in Las Vegas. Think about that. I believe we've already seen. What about once we get the NBA All-Star Game in there and you can pack so many fans with all the biggest stars that the league has to offer a final four in that building? I, I think it's going to be huge. Micah, that was our segment called traveling, right? You got your frequent fire miles. You got your your store credits with all the gas. That was our traveling segment on ESPN Radio 101.7, the team. Let's get back to Mike Adams 2.0 on ESPN Radio 1017 The Team, presented by El Mesquite Market, bringing cultures together. Welcome back, Mike Adams 2.0 ESPN Radio. The traveling segment was a big hit. And I'll tell you what, hopefully I can get some luggage other than just a duffel bag every time I go somewhere because then it might keep me inspired to stay there. Although I was, Micah, that wasn't even the best part of my Atlanta trip. The best part of my Atlanta trip was being able to attend everything with my daughter and being able to hang out with her. So uh it was awesome, man. The best part of the trip was getting to be a part of the post-fight press conferences, getting to ask questions to fighters that I've watched on TV, uh, not to mention hitting the M&M store. Dude, I got a bag of multicolored ones <laughs> that was just the regular chocolate, but it was like rainbow colored. And not to mention they had a championship boxing M&M in there and a whole M&M Hollywood setup. I got some pictures to show you. Yeah, I'll definitely. You know, M&Ms are, are always a treat. So, Mike, I want to move forward, and uh, you know how much I enjoy music, right? And uh, Yesterday I was able to talk to somebody from the band War. I'm trying to set it up where they'll be our guest next week, and whether you listen to All Day Music or Summer or Cisco Kid was a friend of mine. I can't wait for that conversation, but it's in the works. But the reason I bring up that music vibe, Micah, is... You know, it's interesting. We talked maybe three to four weeks ago, and me and my son have been going back and forth, that if there was ever a versus between Drake and Kanye, who would win, right? And then what happens, Micah? They decide to collaborate, go to Memorial Coliseum, 70,000, because they couldn't use the back end because of the staging or whatever. They would have probably put 100,000 in there. No one was allowed on the field. And then Kanye and Drake come together. And I watched the entire concert, Mike. It was like two hours, one minute. And I got to tell you, the scope of music from those two guys, my goodness, we're seeing two history makers. They are definitely pushing the envelope. They definitely have the attention. And if you can step away from the fashion, if you can step away from the politics, Kanye in the studio, Kanye on your podcast, iPod, Kanye that you can hit play on is platinum. 
Drake Platinum. Maybe there's some tracks that you don't need to listen to 18 times unless you're only in a certain kind of mood. But you know what they're doing is all time and they're setting records in listens, in downloads. It's incredible. Let's stay on music. You're in Las Vegas and there was a big announcement that a residency was going to take place at Caesar's Palace. And I got for next, I, I have guests lined up episode after episode because I'm going to bring somebody on to talk about this, Micah. But how about Adele deciding to do a residency at Caesar's Palace and selling out and th- the whole system went down because everybody wants to see Adele, who to me is the number one voice in music. Yes, Mariah Carey fans, I hear you. Yes, Christina Aguilera fans and Whitney Houston fan. Adele is the voice. That's it's shocking. You never expect a system like that to get shut down. But then again, I don't think you expect a global. There are local. There are superstars. But the level of celebrity that Adele is at to take a residency to be like, hey, I'm going to be here for that long. It's not that level of celebrity when they're at their peak that they're going to do that. It's something special. Yeah, it really is. And music is defining in every moment. Let's switch gears, Micah, back to sports. You know, there's some fastest-growing sports, right? And the one that was talked about with me this week, for whatever reason, was Formula One racing, right? And everybody talks about Lewis Hamilton, and he he's the best of the best, and he is. But Formula One racing, Micah, they say, is the one of the most audience-based growing sports that people are taking interest to. And I watched some of it, and it. I I asked myself, how do you maneuver? And the such small lanes, right at NASCAR, they're four deep, three deep. Here, you have one lane and a big vehicle and a whole bunch of people. Well, I know as a salesman, you care about marketing, you care about presentation. You have to intrigue the audience. You have to give them a reason to care, and. F1, well, huge in Europe, huge in other parts of the world. For us UFC fans, we know the F1 course. It's right there at the Fight Island Hotel. The fighters talk about seeing the cars drive by all the time. But to break through in America, they had to have the drive to survive. And that show is on Netflix, where it takes you behind the scenes. It lets you into the life of these F1 drivers. And, Mike, I know as a fan of James Bond, you're going to like this because these guys look like James Bond when they get out of the car. After they're done with the race, they dress like James Bond. And believe me, the after parties look like something a spy is hosting with millions of models. So they live that spy life, and it translates every time into high-intensity racing. Let's continue. Urban Meyer, for some odd reason, Micah, was let go from the Jacksonville Jaguars. Now, interestingly enough, the stories that have come out, right, from this field goal kicker um, and everybody else from assistant coaches to players to is new to, like, Urban Meyer wins the national championship. Go back to Urban Meyer's career. Bowling Green has a great run, goes to Utah They have an unbelievable run, wins two titles in Florida, another title at Ohio State, then goes to Jacksonville, and it just is done with in 13 games? Well, I'm sorry, but the greatest college coach that we currently have, Nick Saban, will tell you 
That's a different beast, man. It's different coaching boys and being able to recruit them instead of in some situations having to pick the best of a lot of a guy that really doesn't want to be in that situation and is this there to earn the next contract when you don't have that commitment. It's also, you can't talk to those guys in the same manner. NFL players are grown men. You'll have some who are inexperienced athletes that need that guidance. But it proves that Trevor Lawrence did not need it from Urban Meyer and that he even had some better ideas than what Meyer did about just bringing the team together. So the Jaguars obviously this offseason made one incredible move and one horrendous move. And I will give you about 14 reasons, and 11 of them are on the field, why Urban Meyer is going to get a, let's congratulate him. You're getting a boatload of money to just go away and probably pop up within a year or two in another college and probably make that program at least top 10 worthy. Yeah, unbelievable. And Jacksonville with Trevor Lawrence, they were talking about maybe making the playoffs when this all started, Micah. Well, the beautiful thing about this mistake is it can easily be undone because no one else has capitalized on the biggest fish in the market. I don't care if they stumbled early. They've got their stuff together now. Eric Bieniemy needs to be a head coach. It is proof what he has done in Kansas City. That man is still there. Jacksonville can rewrite history, erase what they did with Urban Meyer, and go get the man they should have signed all along. Mike, I've been watching the NBA and. Before we get to the great shot last night by Austin Reeves for the Lakers, uh, before we get to that, two questions I have for you. Number one, will Ben Simmons sit out the entire year, or will somebody want to trade for him? And number two, all of a sudden the talk is, where does Damian Lillard end up? As as was news to me, looks like Dame Dash wants out of Portland. Well, unfortunately for the Trailblazers, none of the acquisitions that they made have panned out. You also have a horrendous incident that leads to a collapsed lung for C.J. McCollum. It doesn't look like this group is going to be able to progress forward. And maybe now Lillard has given everything he's had to the organization. Not to mention, even though he has three years on his contract, as we know, there's a new Max, and he asked about getting a bump up to a $50 million a year contract. Seems that ownership doesn't and wasn't keen on that idea, and that facilitates maybe Lillard is more open to be moved. The Lakers, the 76ers, the Celtics, the Knicks, I'm sure there are a lot of teams out there that would like to get him. Could you see Ben Simmons in that acquisition? Quite possibly, or could you see that trade lead to Ben Simmons coming back to the 76ers? That is also a possibility. Not to mention there's a ton of rumors about his horrendous spending habits that could facilitate to him needing to return to the team anyway, just for life matters. Steph Curry can shoot the basketball, Mike. I think there's no questions about it. And he breaks the record in Madison Square Garden. Now, we know Reggie Miller. All the great shooting he did, of course. Ray Allen, tremendous shooter. And James Harden's fourth on the list. Kyle Corver's fifth on the list, for those of you keeping score at home. But what Steph Curry has accomplished, Micah, I think, 
And I said this, I think, eight years ago. I don't know if I told you or somebody else. I said he changed the way people play basketball. I firmly believe that. I'm sure you've heard it on many, many programs. But what I mean changed the way is you even have seven-footers shooting threes now. That Now tell me, outside, even when Shaq played, Vlade would shoot a three once in a blue moon. No one shot threes. Not Hakeem, not Pat Ewing, not Manute Bull, not Sean Bradley. Not Moses Malone. But Arbutus Sabonis and Sam Perkins both did, both seven-footers. It, it happened. There was a few European players out there, a couple Americans, a few guys, but you are right. Revolutionary. I mean, you want to go back in time to when you said that? I just saw the meme. Go back to 2013. Laughed out of Oakland. Mark Jackson said, I have the greatest shooting backcourt all time. Unfortunately, I hope they sent this dude a ring, a ring in the mail because he laid the foundation for what became a dynasty. But I think I cut you off there. Well, you didn't because here's my point, Micah. When you see in today's game, Persingas shooting threes, Giannis shooting threes, you want me to continue? I can say the whole league at this point. Miles Turner's out there it, doing it. Is shooting threes, and it's because of what he did, right? You go to a high school game, Micah. And you go to a college game right now, and everybody's trying to shoot like Steph Curry. Everybody. And it reminds me of when Jordan, or was it Doc J for you historians? When they started to dunk the basketball with flair, Micah, look what it brought us, right? And I think moving forward, will Steph's records ever be broken? I think they might. Because of the fact that everybody is trying to emulate him. The way Jordan dunked in the in the dunk contest against Dominique when he jumps from the free throw line had been done. It had been done, but not to that level, right? And Reggie Miller and Ray Allen had hit threes from all over, but it hasn't been done at this level. I think he did it five years earlier than those guys. So the amount of shots that he gets up, number one, and the way kids are watching the game today, I think that record could be broken. It could be broken one day, but it's not going to be right away. How Ray Allen had to watch the record go away right away. I don't know if you're going to get that combination of volume and accuracy. It's amazing. We can't detract from first philosophy, the way that the Warriors play offense, the way that they are pass first, move and cut offense. It has to be a special kind of situation. James Harden, he's fourth on the list because he was a one-man offensive force, a la Allen Iverson. So what? That's two guys in the last 30 years that have jacked up that many threes in that echelon and one in Steph Curry in your moving cut in the role that Ray Allen and Reggie Miller had, but Steph Curry has taken it to another level with the way he's able to give and go. The That part is beautiful, him and Draymond, the give and go real quick. The way he creates space, the fast trigger, not to mention 43%. This is ridiculous. We're talking about Curry is as deadly from three as Jordan was from the mid-range game. That's what made Kobe and Jordan so deadly was that 40% accuracy from the mid-range, and Steph can step out 10 feet. So will it be broken? Yes. We're admiring the record. He did it in under 800 games. He still has 750 or so that he could play. Don't forget Ray Allen had over 1,500 games to get to where this record is. It's not will anybody break it because it may happen one day. We're nowhere close to where the record actually will be when this man is done.
And the, the class of Steph Curry. Think about this, Micah. He knew Clay was a big reason he was able to shoot because you had to defend Clay. When KD gets to Golden State, you have to defend KD. And Draymond, who wasn't, I don't want to say he's not an offensive threat, but he's not KD and he's not Clay, right? But he still posed a threat where Steph was able to get a lot of open looks. Now, when they show highlights, there's times he's, it looks like it's a half court shot, Michael. It looks it like is. it's a half court shot. It is. He's touching the logo. Easy. And he makes it look so easy. So I tip my hat to Steph Curry. Man, you got to. And like you said, think about that lineup again. And it's not, will we ever see a team again where there's the number one, number three, number 50, and number 40 best players in the world? Maybe that kind of lineup gets put together. But will we ever see three Shooters with a facilitator like that, that Draymond was on one court again, that led to quite possibly the deadliest perimeter we ever saw. But you're right. Steph Curry, we celebrate him. Started off the day celebrating Nunez's amazing accomplishment. Steph Curry, maybe halfway through his career and already rewriting history. Micah, time goes fast. They said, you know, if you throw a clock out the window, what happens? Time flies. Do you remember that? I guess we were having fun. Yeah, something like that. Check your watch. Always know what time it is and know what direction you're going. Because if you don't get a compass. Which way are we going? Oh, did we go to Lomachenko? That was the other greatness that we almost passed by from last week. I know you're a huge boxing guy. You mentioned Canelo Lomachenko back in fashion. A punishing effort against Cormley, and we have another heavyweight, Jared Anderson. That was a spectacular performance. So boxing, we can't overlook them. Beautiful too. This yeah, and, and Lomachenko says he wants Cambusis. I hope he gets him because to me, Cambusis is the best in class. I'm going to tell you right now. After what I saw him do with Tiafimo Lopez, I don't think Loma wants that. I really don't. But Loma looked close to perfection, Micah. He did. If we can get big names in the lightweight division to fight each other, I don't care if it's Cambosa and Loma, if it's Hanley, Garcia, or Tank, but it needs to be two of those. We need to see four of those guys fighting each other. That's what it is. And then the fifth guy can jump in. The excitement is in the lightweight division if your name is not Canelo or Fury. Mike, always good talking to you. I'm glad you're back in studio. Uh, tell everybody where they can listen to you. Go to CageMinds.com. That's the website. I got a YouTube channel. It's Cage Minds MMA Show. I also got a couple podcasts after MMA After Hours and Pro Wrestling After Hours. You find those at CageMinds.com slash After Hours or anywhere you listen to your podcast. Across social media, find me on Cage Minds. That's what I'm doing. Also on Twitter, there's at FrankelMicah and Mike. I appreciate you always bringing me on. Glad to see you had a good time in Atlanta. Yeah, I did. And go to Mike Adams 2.0 Instagram. I'll tell you, if you haven't been there, Micah, you got to look at it. It's I don't know how that thing's going, to be honest with you. But I will say this. I want to thank you, Dave Dominguez, who's behind the glass. I want to thank Joe Neal, the president. For Alyssa Ryan, Preston John Michael. My name's Mike Adams. Mike Adams 2.0. ESPN Radio 101.7. The team. Mike Adams 2.0. Presented by El Mesquite Market. Bringing cultures together. Join us again next Saturday, 9 to 10, on your New Mexico-owned and operated station. ESPN Radio 1017, the team.